Welcome to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning radio show and podcast featuring your physician host, Dr. Tom McGovern. And Dr. Andrew Mullally, where we and our guests discuss relevant and health-related topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. Dr. Doctor is brought to you in part by the generous underwriting of CMF Curo. Learn more at mycatholichealthcare.org and live your Catholic faith in your health care with CMF Curo. Today, our guest will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Returning to Dr. Doctor's guest microphone today will be Dr. Bob Schutz, a PhD marriage and family therapist now retired and devoting full time to his work at the John Paul II Healing Center. Today, he's going to explore with us the relationship between forgiveness and healing and what true forgiveness looks like. So, Andrew, have you ever considered, you know, the relationship between forgiveness and health for your patients or for anybody else in your life? Yeah, I I would say, I, I guess I don't know if I've put the word forgiveness to it as often as it might be required. But, you know, we've, we've talked on this show before how I feel like maybe the defining, I don't know, disease process in my practice thus far has been uh, mental health issues. Uh, depression and anxiety specifically and kind of that whole spectrum of disease. So how defining, I mean, like out of a, say out of 25 patients you might see in a day, how many of them would you say have that as one of their concerns? I'd say at least a third to a half of them bring it up. But, uh, you know, there's various old adages uh, that it's probably higher than that in doctor goers to begin with, you know, people who, who lend themselves to medical care. But, you know, a lot of times I, I have a faith-based practice, which is a blessing. And so it gives me an opportunity to bring up the spiritual aspect of their disease uh, frequently. However, we see a lot, maybe half, maybe more than half of the people we care for are secular and it's it's not because of the faith that necessarily they're coming at least they haven't said that so it provides kind of an interesting dynamic because yes. what you want to tell people a lot of times is man you need to go back to church <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's hard to it's hard to pull that out but i think a lot of times you can tell that especially with depression and anxiety you know i've i've sneaked a peek at some of the data you're going to present tom just about the the problems we get for having trouble with forgiveness. And I see that routinely, I'd say, for people who can't forgive, won't, haven't thought about it, and um, just kind of carrying that with them puts a physical toll on their body as well as the emotional toll. Well, and I'm uh, betting Bob will be able to help us with some practical ways we can even coach people who might not have a relationship with God to even forgive others. But some of the data, uh, well, before the data, there's a great comment in Bob's book, Be Healed, on page 186, where he quotes some other authors, where he says, God wants to heal you, spirit, soul, and body. However, we can never be completely free and healed until we forgive. Forgiveness is the foundation for all healing. And it goes on to, you know, quote some studies or some ideas from studies that um, we have. But... um, And then he goes on in his own words, behind most of our physical and psychological ailments are these spiritual root issues, such as lack of forgiveness, which must be addressed for full healing to take place. So in the medical literature, I picked a few studies. There's many of them. Um, But in one study from 2012 called Forgive to Live, yeah, Forgive to Live, Forgiveness, Health, and Longevity, they looked at seven different types of forgiveness, and they found that the lack of one of them predicted an earlier death. And it was called conditional forgiveness. And these are people who are waiting around for somebody to ask their forgiveness. Dude, it's kind of like sitting- we make our kids apologize and then yes. the other kid has to say, I forgive you. Uh-huh. Just, uh, it's very rote. It's very routine. But it's uh, it's very much conditional until I hear the, <laughs> the I'm, I'm sorry for slugging you. You know, okay, fine. I, I do forgive you. <laughs> very good. Well, well, there's a time limit there. And that's a good thing because for those people who might be waiting around the rest of their lives for someone to yeah. ask them forgiveness, this actually leads to an earlier death. And unlike non-forgiveness, that didn't in this particular study, but waiting for someone to ask for your forgiveness. So uh, I think the take-home point is there, don't do that. (laughs) Um, Which reminds me of a a line that I've heard in various forms, that withholding forgiveness is like taking a poison yourself and hoping the other person dies of it. Um, (laughs) 
I don't know if you've heard that before. I'm sure I didn't make it up. Then a 2018 editorial um, on public health uh, by actually one of Kevin Major's uh, colleagues at Harvard, Tyler Vanderweel. Uh, he asked the question, the title of the article, Is Forgiveness a Public Health Issue? And of course, public health deals with things that are common and they have big effects on health. And he says, unforgiveness is really common in our society. And uh, at the point in, you know, five years ago when he wrote this, there were already suggesting that forgiveness is associated with reduced anxiety, depression, hostility, nicotine use and other substance abuse, higher positive emotions, and higher life satisfaction. And, uh, you know, we heard about this 2,000 years ago in the letter from Ephesians, though, didn't we? When St. Paul said, be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And then finally, I'd just like to quote the Johns Hopkins Health website has an article, Forgiveness, Your Health Depends on It. And they say, and it's online now, that acts of forgiveness can lower the risk for heart attack, improve cholesterol levels, improve sleep, reduce pain, lower blood pressure, reduce anxiety and depression. And this was interesting. The health forgiveness connection increases as we get older. And, and probably what might mediate this is lack of forgiveness might put us in a chronic fight or flight mode. That's what chronic stress mm -hmm. is when we have adrenaline and cortisol just streaming through our bodies far too much. But that's a little bit of the, the data background. And of course, you know, before we can go to our break, we've got our medical trivia question of the day. And unsurprisingly, the category is forgiveness and the nervous system. So the question is, our nervous system can be divided into a central nervous system and a peripheral nervous system. The central nervous system is the brain and spinal cord. The peripheral nervous system is, is pretty much everything else. And there's four parts to that peripheral nervous system. The motor system, which controls our muscles that we can control. The sensory system, by which we feel things. The sympathetic nervous system, that's the fight or flight response that responds to stress, threats. And then finally, the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest system that helps maintain normal automatic body functions. So of the four parts of the peripheral nervous system, motor, sensory, sympathetic, and parasympathetic, which one of those is most activated by forgiveness? You're going to have to hang on till the end of the show for the answer, but we'll be back with Bob Schutz, Healing and Forgiveness here on Dr. Doctor after the break. Welcome back to our interview with Dr. Bob Schutz with a PhD in family relations, author of numerous books, including Be Healed, A Guide to Encountering the Powerful Love of Jesus in Your Life. I highly recommend checking out that and the website of the JP2 Healing Center at jpiihealingcenter.org. And listen to his podcast. I love it. Restore the Glory with co-host Jake Kim. So, Bob, welcome back to Dr. Doctor. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Tom and Dr. Andrew, Dr. Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so when we ask, might ask atheists to tell us about the God they don't believe in, we typically find that we don't believe in that God either. They have a mistaken understanding of who God is. Similarly, I believe many people don't, have, don't want to forgive others because they have a mistaken belief of what forgiveness is. So could you talk about what are some of the counterfeit forms of forgiveness that really aren't forgiveness, Bob? Yeah, I think there's... a couple of different ways in which we counterfeit forgiveness. One is um, by just saying, I forgive you without really releasing the, the pain of the event or the retaliation that's in our hearts towards the event. So it's just a, a superficial forgiveness. But I think we also misunderstand forgiveness when we think about it as being excusing somebody's behavior or letting them off the hook or saying that I don't care about justice because that, that would be a a falsehood, you know, that part of why we can forgive is understanding uh, that, that you know, Jordan Peterson has said, no one gets away with anything. You know, it's, <laughs> uh, we experience the consequences of what we do. And that's why forgiveness is so important because we need to release ourselves and others from the consequences. So then what is forgiveness? If it's not excusing reconciling, condoning, minimizing. You know, from from the scriptures, we see it all, all over the place. It's as we are forgiven, then we can forgive. And so it's extending God's mercy to another. Uh, and that mercy is just releasing them of the debt that they owe us, uh, not making them pay it back, not retaliating, uh, 
uh, not demanding. It just uh, it's giving from from the heart a release from having to pay for it. So that's like one of the old forms of the Our Fathers: forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. I mean, how often? I, I don't know if I've really thought about sin and forgiveness in terms of debt before, but that is the essence, isn't it? Yeah, if you think about what what every one of us is owed, if you will, is love, is justice, is being treated with respect and with dignity. And so what what the enemy comes to do, and often through us, is to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes. And so he, he steals from us uh, through the actions and words and everything else of other people uh, in order to kill and destroy us, which is what you're citing in those studies. Right, yeah, John 10.10, because 10, the yeah. second part of that verse is because he's come to give us life abundantly to the full. Yeah, and so if you think about that, all the prescriptions in Scripture are, are so that we can live in the fullness of that life. And when we fall into uh, bitterness and resentment and uh, hold on to anger, we, we really shortcut that. Uh, we cut ourselves off from that. You know, Bob, last time you were on the Dr. Doctor show, and I, I think you talk about this a lot on your Restore the Glory podcast as well, you talked about the wounds that we experience in our life that leads us to believe in lies about ourselves. What is the relationship between these wounds and lies and the need for forgiveness? Yeah, that's really a good question because it's often one we don't teach well. Uh, but Dr. Ed Smith, who uh, was a therapist and a minister, Develop transformation prayer ministry. He says the reason why we can't forgive is because of the the lies that we hold on to that happen from the from the wounding event. And so he says it's really important to be able to forgive from the heart that we acknowledge those places where we've internalized the the beliefs about ourselves that came through that incident. You know, like I'm not loved, or I'm bad, or uh, I am alone, whatever those things might be. Well, can you give us examples of some lies and how they lead to an unwillingness to forgive others? Yeah, let's say that uh, we have an incident where I say something to you that is really hurtful, and whether I'm aware of it or not, it taps into a place in your own heart where it reinforces something you believe about yourself. Mm. Okay, and so that might be uh, feeling rejected. And so, whether I was intending to reject you or not, it taps right into that place in your heart. And so, immediately there's hurt, anger, resentment that comes up, and this residual belief that I'm just not lovable. You said that to me because I'm not lovable. You know, we may be in our anger saying, you're not lovable, you did this to me, but deep down we've kind of taken in something that we hold on to. So in other words, if we didn't believe it in ourselves, a lot of those things might just bounce off of us. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of, you know, there are obviously things that are, are just cruel behavior and they they hurt, but a lot of things that people do that we hold on to unforgiveness tap into already areas of our, our life where we're already holding on to a belief and a wound. Man, you know, Bob, the, to hear you talk about kind of the lies you tell yourself, would you say it's foundational to forgive yourself before forgiving others? Whether it's foundational before or after, I think it's a part of forgiving others uh, because believing those lies may not be holding on to unforgiveness towards yourself. Uh However, there's often unforgiveness towards yourself related to something connected to that. So, for example, if there's an area of your life where you haven't forgiven yourself and you believe that you're bad or stupid or whatever that is, and somebody treats you in a similar way, now you have both the, the, the lie and the place where you haven't forgiven yourself already and the place where you haven't forgiven the other person. So they may be three separate things, but all connected wow. around an event. So how do we identify areas where we need to forgive ourselves? Well, I think you probably see this also and, and relate to it in your own life. There are places where we have regret 
there are places where we have shame that's not just a healthy shame of I sin, but the sense of shame of there's something about me that's unlovable and not good. Uh, there, are, there are areas where uh, we're holding on to guilt and we uh, may think of events from the past and we just can't let them go. And again, it could be because there's a wound there, but it could also be because we're holding on to unforgiveness towards ourselves for those. So let's say that in the past, there was some pattern that you hurt somebody and that never really got resolved in your heart. And maybe even you went to confession and confessed it. And so you think that would be enough. Right, right. Right? That, like God has forgiven me. I heard the priest say that. But I leave the confessional and I'm still hating myself. Uh, I, I talk about that in, in Be Healed about my brother Dave. When he went to the confession for the first time in 25 years and the priest conf uh, forgave him and he was just like incredulous. This weight was lifted off. But then all of his self-hatred came back that night as he was reflecting on all that. And he couldn't forgive himself even though God had forgiven him through the priest, you know, through the death of Jesus through the priest. So there, there are areas where we, you know, have self-hatred, self-rejection, guilt, uh, regret. Those are all areas where we probably need to forgive ourselves. And how important is it to experience forgiveness of God to forgive ourselves? God's forgiveness of us? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I, I think it's it's probably primary, but not necessary to begin with. Like somebody who doesn't believe in God could probably still forgive themselves, or somebody who does believe in God could also probably forgive themselves before they've experienced God's forgiveness. Although it, they certainly have a harder time letting it go. You know, those, those two things go together. Sure. So what would be the basis for someone who doesn't believe in God to think, yeah, I should forgive myself? Well, I think, as you were saying early on, you know, when, when people begin to realize how I'm hurting myself and how I'm hurting my capacity for relationship by holding on to this unforgiveness, then it just makes common sense to them. Like, why would I want to do this? I, I was talking to uh, a couple who's an atheist uh, a couple weeks ago, and they were both holding on resentment towards each other. And so I was trying to explain to them, uh, that's destroying not only your relationship, but your own well-being. And it's hurting your children. So do you want to continue to hold on to this, hurt yourself, hurt your relationship, and hurt your children? Or wouldn't it be better if you could forgive yourself and forgive each other and move on? It's not meaning you're not dealing with the issue. It just means you're not holding on to the resentment and the bitterness. And so they could easily understand that without even having a concept of God, even though that's a Judeo-Christian understanding. I mean, it's not present in a lot of other belief systems. Man, well, you know, you bring up a good point about the ability to forgive. Can you talk a little bit about anger and unforgiveness and how they're related? Yeah, and I think that quote from uh, Ephesians, St. Paul, was perfect <laughs> uh, because it really describes it. So anger, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, is the response to an, to an injustice against love. Right? Anger is a necessary and important emotion. That when we see an injustice, our natural response is to feel some level of anger. Whether whether whatever temperament we are, some of us that's hot, some of us that's not so <laughs> not so hot, right? Uh, but there's a sense of that's wrong, and it's an injustice. And so so there's a truth emotion in anger. What happens, as St. Paul says, when, when we let the, when we go to sleep on that, when we let that build up inside of us, that anger starts to go cold and become bitter and resentful and judgmental. And now all of a sudden the effects in the body, you know, healthy anger has a positive effect in the body, right? It, it really frees up the areas of our bodies in a good direction because it's directed towards love and it's directed towards truth. But Resentment and bitterness and judgment now begins to have a negative effect on our bodies, begins to wear just in the way you described in the whole uh, central nervous system. It, it begins to weigh on us and wear away, and which is why 
our physical ailments usually come a lot later than the emotional and spiritual ones because they have to go sit in the body for a long time to wear the body down in that way. Uh, but inevitably, if it's not dealt with, it's going to have effects psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And what about people who are angry at God and feel like God has harmed them? Of course, that's not reality, but they might feel that he has. Is there any role for people forgiving God? I've heard people talk like this. It sounds like blasphemy, but what do you yeah. do with that? Yeah, it, you know, it's not theologically correct to say that God needs forgiveness because he hasn't done anything wrong. But I think it's necessary for us to let go of our judgments and resentments towards God, whatever we call it. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's like the process of forgiveness, even though God doesn't need forgiven. We need to release whatever we're holding on to. And I think you've had at one point uh, Dr. Peter Malinowski on. Yes, uh, yes. And, and he talks about the different images we have of God that are distortions, and they're usually related to the different experiences we've had growing up with parents or authority figures. And so it's really a, a need to forgive those parents and authority figures that we projected onto God most of the time. Ah, that's getting to the root of it. Well, how do we identify, maybe it's easy, maybe it's hard, those those people in our lives that we need to forgive where we might hold a lack of forgiveness? Is it always on the surface or is it sometimes hard to get down and find out where it is? Yeah, it's it's sometimes it's obvious, but a lot of times it's not. So when we do this exercise in our conferences, we start off by saying, ask the Holy Spirit to show you who he wants you to forgive in this moment, recognizing that there may be others. Uh, but in this moment, allow the Holy Spirit to show you. And sometimes you have to be quiet a little while and you have a couple of people come to your mind and uh, you know, then you just settle on that person that we need to forgive. So we don't have to worry about finding everybody the first time, just whoever comes to mind. Yeah. I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's a whole history of people, big and small, that we could forgive. Uh, and so it's where is the Holy Spirit working right now in my life to, to bring me into that? Bob, maybe you can help us too. I, I relayed the story of, of my kids fighting with each other occasionally. I'm sure nobody else's kids do that. And uh, <laughs> kind of a superficial level of required forgiveness that we superimpose on our children. Um, there's got to be more to it. Can you walk through maybe steps for forgiveness for people who are not good at this yet? Yeah. Um, there's a, another thing that we do in our conferences, and uh, we have it laid out in our podcast, but I'll go through them quickly. Uh, I think the first is being able to recognize that person that we need to forgive. So I, I think that's the very beginning. Asking the Holy Spirit, who should I, who do I need to forgive, and being open to that. Secondly, we we invite people to visualize if they're able to visualize or imagine that person in front of them, and pay attention to the distance between them and the person. You know because. Uh, it really reveals the level of hurt there uh, and how safe or not safe we feel. And then I uh, will ask them just to pay attention to how you feel in that person's presence. Just just pay attention to your, your body, your emotions. What are you experiencing? Well, my shoulders are tight. I have this gnawing feeling in, in my uh, solar plexus or whatever that might be. And then say, uh, just invite Jesus there to be with you so that there's not going to be any harm. But give yourself the freedom to say to this person what they've done to hurt you and what do they owe you. What's the debt? What have they taken from you? Uh, how have they hurt you? And that's inviting the anger to come forward or the sorrow or whatever that might be. And then uh, give just give time for that. Just give time for that emotion to come forward and then to speak it to the person. That's really healing in itself. It's getting up the pain and those things without denying it. Sometimes in forgiveness, when we go to it too quickly, we can just deny the pain and not really heal that area. Are some people afraid of doing this step? Are they afraid of bringing up the pain? 
Yeah, I think so, depending on how intense the pain is. And they can also be afraid of the person hurting them who's hurt them before. That's why it, it's important, I think, to say Jesus is with you and you're safe. And so they have the freedom then to do it. And so he's with you no matter what comes up, and he's with you and this other person isn't going to hurt you or retaliate in any way. And do people like you and those you work with help talk others through this process if they're having a challenge with it? Yeah. If if we're on one-on-one, like when I was a therapist, I would do that in person and they could just report every stage. When we do it in the conferences, we don't have that opportunity. So we just have to allow that time for people to do it. Okay. So then they're they're experiencing the pain. Then what? And then I'll say, ask the Holy Spirit what you believe about yourself. This gets back to the identity lies. What do you believe about yourself in this moment where this hurt is? And particularly pay attention to what you're feeling and what do you believe in that feeling? So the initial feeling may be anger and there's a lot of judgment coming towards the other person. But then the next feeling might be this real sense of fear or sadness. And and so the belief might be I'm not safe. Uh, the belief might be I'm alone, I'm not loved. The belief might be uh, I feel stupid, I feel humiliated, whatever that might be in that moment. So it requires a certain amount of self-awareness, and some people might not be used to that level of self-awareness of their emotions, their thoughts, or what's going on in their body. How how do you get them past this inexperience? Yeah, and that's where one-on-one helps. But uh, you know, from a teaching standpoint, we just say, just go as far as you can go. You know, Every step of this will be healing. Right, so for some it may be totally new and unfamiliar, and when we do it in a conference, we've we've done a lot of teaching beforehand to prepare people for that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's not requiring people have more capacity than they have, but just trusting whatever capacity is going to be healing at that level. And you notice we haven't gotten to I forgive you yet. No, no, there's it, many that steps. A, so yeah, we that comes a short circuit forgiveness, in other words. Yeah, we often do. And and what happens is we still hold on to the pain and the resentment and the judgments and the and the beliefs about ourselves. And that's what keeps us from being able to forgive well. Okay, so now they're in this place where they're, you know, honest with what they're experiencing. What are the, what next? Uh have them identify their judgments. And and I at this point will say just be really raw in your heart with how you are judging this person. And a lot of times it's not pretty, you know, it's not kind. It's it's kind of a harsh judgment that's in the heart of the person who hasn't forgiven. And just say, don't be afraid of it, just acknowledge it. And then ask the Holy Spirit to help you to release that now. And then I'll lead them through a renouncing prayer of renouncing the judgment. This may sound like a lot of work for somebody who just wants to forgive, but yes. it's it's getting to the forgiveness of the heart, not just the forgiveness of the words and the forgiveness of the will. Um, yes. We found it to be really helpful in in the healing process. Are there, now I remember listening, I don't know if it was Sister Miriam uh, or somebody else or you, um, something about there can even be visualized physical violence against the the person, but it's not the person, it's the bad image of that person. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I remember a, a man was in my office when I was a therapist, and I we got to the stage of just pay attention to how you feel and what do you want to say or do. And he's seeing himself violently beating his father up. Mm-hmm. And you know, ordinarily you might say, well, that's not very helpful. But in this case, it was his way of expressing the hurt and anger and powerlessness that he felt with his dad. You know, and so once it was. Once he went through that image, then he got down into his pain. And then he was able to recognize, oh, that's, I've been holding on to that. God's not hating me for this because I've been holding on to this desire since I was 10 years old. Wow. And now, now I've just brought it out into the light and released it. And after that, he had compassion for his dad. You know, After that, he had a lot of freedom in relation to his dad. He healed his relationship with his dad. So that was a barrier, that kind of hatred towards his dad and the violence that he had in his heart. And so it was just a matter of inviting that to come out so he could let go of it. 
Now, obviously, you wouldn't want the opposite to happen, which is him thinking that that's permission for him to go beat up his father. Right. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> so we still aren't at, I forgive you. Yeah. And so the next part of the process is releasing the judgments and asking the asking the person if they'd be willing to bring that person with them to the foot of the cross. And at that point, again, this is our group meditation that we do, and we modify it individually depending on where the person is. But we say, uh, would you just listen to Jesus as he forgives both of you? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And people will sometimes have a reaction to that. Well, they knew exactly what they were doing. Well, so did the Roman soldiers. But Jesus said they don't know what they do because they don't have any idea what the evil is that they're doing and the consequences of that evil. And so nobody really does. Nobody really knows the damage that they're causing. Uh, yeah, I've read somebody who said that it's really our ignorance that saves us. The The angels have no ignorance. That's why there right. is no repentance for them. <laughs> but uh, but it, it, in a way, it saves us. Yep, yep. Yeah, all of us are blind in some way and and, and uh, ignorant. And so, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And I think it's really important in terms of our humility because unforgiveness builds our pride. You know, our judgments build our pride. I think it's really important for our humility to be able to sit, stand there next to somebody and say, we both need forgiveness. I need forgiveness for this resentment and bitterness and judgment that I've been holding towards the other person, and maybe even for believing the lies about myself. And I need that other person to be forgiven for the harm that they caused me, and for me to be forgiven for whatever harm I'm causing them by my unforgiveness. And so... Once that's done, that things usually shift then when they can be on a par with the person and receive forgiveness. And then we invite them, would you turn to the person now and speak those words of forgiveness? And I encourage them to say it out loud uh, and say, I forgive you. You didn't know what you were doing. You had no idea how deeply this has hurt me or how much pain this has caused in my life. And I realize that you're just operating out of your own pain that you were just passing on the pain that you've received with me. Um, and then I asked them to bless the person in the opposite way that they had judged them and to ask the Holy Spirit how to bless their identity that heals the judgment. Now, Dr. Andrew, that's a big difference between you know, what you're asking about with your kids. Yeah, <laughs> the, this is going to take a lot longer for me for parenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and with with the kids, they live so much closer to their hearts, and so you could do that in a really quick way. Uh, you could do it in, okay, what are you feeling right now? What what are you angry about? What are you feeling? What did they do to hurt you? And so you're giving them permission to voice it, and then you say, how did that hurt you? How did that hurt your feelings? And then they're able to say that, and then they say, okay, and how are you? What are you thinking about them right now? And then would you would you let go of that and forgive them? And can can you ask Jesus to forgive you for thinking that about them and for them for doing that to you? Can you see how even as children yeah. that helps them get over the resentment and the you know and the feeling of I'm being forced into this forgiveness without my heart getting there? You know, so what what that happens a lot of times is it it's a good habit for children to be taught how to apologize and forgive. And if it's genuine from the heart, it's really healing. But sometimes children get this split in their heart between my behavior and what's going on inside of me. And, and that's dangerous in terms of their psychological health going forward. Mm. Well, it, it does make me think too, like how, how many of us would benefit from having practiced this as children? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, if yes. if we get this right, you know, if we as parents can give this to our kids, what a gift that will be, you know, hopefully yeah. throughout their whole life. Yeah, and it, it's really honoring the child's heart and teaching them at the same time. Wow, I bet there's a lot of moms rewinding and taking notes on this one. <laughs> <And> hopefully, dads <laughs> too. If any dads listen, 
<laughs> and are there further steps, Bob, be, beyond that? Yeah, I'm blessing. Um, well, I think it, it, there's a couple of fruits that come from that. One, and they're, they're what they, Jesus talks about in the gospel. One is we move, and this is in the catechism also. Catechism says everything is bound and loosed in our hearts. Right? We bind and loose. So forgiveness is loosing what's been bound up in our hearts. And it says we can't forget an offense. We can't forgive and forget. That's that's nonsensical. Only God forgets. And he doesn't forget, but he, he releases the memory of it for us. But we can't forget. We can let go of holding on to the memory of it. But it says the, the heart that forgives turns resentment into compassion. And so that's one of the ways we know that there's been forgiveness from the heart when we move from judgment to compassion, from resentment to compassion. And it turns hurt into intercession. So we begin, as Jesus says, to pray for the person who's hurt us. Right. So I think those are two fruits that come from genuine forgiveness. We begin to see the other person with love and compassion and we begin to pray for them for the places where they've hurt us. I think we'll take our required break right here. That was a fantastic exposition of what true forgiveness entails. And we'll be back with Dr. Bob here on Dr. Doctor after the break. And we are back with Dr. Doctor today talking about forgiveness with Dr. Bob Schutz. Bob, you went through the whole process of forgiveness very well. How does that look different? We were talking about earlier the idea of self-forgiveness. How would you apply that to yourself? Well, when you ask that, I have uh, kind of experiences in mind of helping people do that. And I think one of the things that I'm finding, and I've seen it all along, but I'm finding it more and more, is one of the biggest difficulties for every person is the areas that they hate about themselves. And I was I received permission to share this uh, from this woman, but it's a beautiful example of receiving mercy and forgiving yourself. This woman had some severe medical issues where she found out when she was a teenager that she didn't have a uterus or fallopian tubes and that there was a genetic disorder. And so it just crushed her, like her whole future of being a mother and being a wife and and she had a lot of resentment towards God. She had a lot of resentment towards herself. In fact, she hated herself. Uh, she hated her body and she hated herself. So one time, as we had an opportunity to pray together on the phone, uh, I just felt inspired by the Holy Spirit to give a voice to the part of her that hated herself and to give a voice to the part of herself that was hated. And so she began to express this intense hatred towards herself. Uh, And she got it all out. And then I I said, well, how does the part of you that receives that hatred feel? And then she began to express the pain that she feels from being hated. And I said, would you be open if we invited Jesus to reveal what he wants you to know? And so she saw in this imagery uh, the person that was hating herself up over top and just, you know, just kind of dominant and controlling and the person being hated almost laying down and, and just helpless. And uh, Jesus, as she saw him in this prayer, Jesus was present and went first to the part of her that hated herself. And she was expected to be scolded or to be corrected or and what Jesus did in that moment is just says I understand where this pain comes from and he held her and she started to cry you know in in real life she started to cry as this is happening in her prayer like this part of me I was hating myself for hating myself kind of and Jesus is loving even this part of me that hates myself and understands where that's coming from and then he went and kind of lifted up the one that was down and looked at her and said, I love you so much. And I'm so sorry you've been hurt so badly. And he embraced her. And as he was embracing her again, she's crying, you know, and, uh, 
just beautiful to see the, the love and mercy of Jesus for these two parts of ourselves that were in conflict with each other. And then what was most beautiful is he then said, uh, he, he kind of had a hand on each of their backs and brought them together to embrace with each other. And so as she's embracing herself, again, all in her imagination, but it's really happening in her heart. Like it's this isn't make-believe for her. This is this is happening in real time. And so she embraces herself in this imagery. Uh, she describes that she quits being two people and now she's one. She's, she's now integrated those two parts of herself and just feels this sense of uh, freedom and forgiveness and, and love for herself. When I talked to her a year later, she said, I haven't had one moment of self-hatred since then. It just totally, Jesus took it as I was able to do that. And then I, I talked to her again. I've only talked to her four times ever. But the next time I talked to her, she said, uh, that was a healing with my relationship with Jesus, but I still hadn't healed with the Father. And she said she had gone through one of the conferences and said, in this conference, I was able to heal with the Father and I was able to let go of my resentment towards the Father and feel his love and that he made me good and that my body is good. And so it was just a beautiful process of of self-forgiveness. Now, again, it doesn't have to happen in that way, but I think if you see the that we're at war within ourselves in the ways that we resent and hate ourselves, how do we reconcile and heal those wounds similarly to the process that we went through? But that was a very different way of going about it. Bob, would you say that, I guess, I mean, I don't know if it's fair to say like what percentage but would you say that there's an an element of lack of forgiveness for self or others underneath much mental health disorders? Most is that fair to say? Yeah, and without being able to know exactly, I would say it's the largest factor behind spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical health issues. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, when I was in Brazil, I talk about this and be healed. And we were praying for healing. So many of the times the healing only happened after we realized there was a block of forgiveness. And when they forgave or were received forgiveness, then the healing took place. And they were wow. pretty severe situations. So, Bob, if this is so critical towards health and wholeness, how how can we as medical professionals bring this to our practice? How can we give this to, to patients? Well, I'm going to give you the quick answer and then maybe elaborate, okay? Quick answer is just to stay in a posture of abiding with Jesus and open to the Holy Spirit's movements because there's going to be so many instances where that movement takes place. And you guys have had Dr. Tom Nelson on. And I've watched him in his medical practice with me and with others. And he has told me about situations where it just comes up almost every conversation now where there's something that needs to be healed or someplace that needs to be forgiven. And just because he's attuned to the need for that, uh, he's just aware of when. And and now his nurses have all been uh, trained in the same way. And so it's like the whole practice, well, his whole part of the practice just flows in that very naturally. And so it's not so much a script, but a sensitivity to be able to listen for and hear those moments where it's behind whatever the ailment is. and uh, And then just I think it's totally appropriate for a Catholic physician to venture into that territory. Uh, and obviously with respect to the person and the person's belief systems and everything else. But uh, I think with that awareness, you'll you'll be surprised at how often it just plays itself out. I know one other area we were wondering about is what if the person to be forgiven has died? How does this change the calculus? Yeah, Um it's still forgiveness is in our own hearts. Uh, I remember being on a men's conference and my dad was there and Bart and I were sharing, my brother Bart and I were sharing our stories in front of the men about my dad and how we went through the process of forgiveness and healing. And my dad came up crying and I thought we had hurt him, you know, from sharing that. And he said, no, I'm so grateful, but I don't know how to forgive my dad. He's dead. And, and I said, well, that's dad. This is this next hour is for us to resolve those issues with our dads. Uh, and so just go out and pray and just ask Jesus to mediate 
and go through that same process, which is just see your dad in front of you, feel the experience of what you feel in his presence, tell him how he hurt you, speak out, and just walk through the process. And he came back and he was glowing. He says, I feel so free uh, that all this time I didn't know that I could forgive my dad because he was dead, but now I just feel completely reconciled and I just feel the Father's pleasure uh, with it. On the on the flip side of that, for, for people maybe you're trying to forgive who are still alive, after you kind of go through this process, how important is it to speak those words to them in, in person? Well, like they say in the 12 steps, it's if it's going to be beneficial for that person, then at some point, uh, I think it's really helpful because it's the beginning of reconciliation. And, you know, in some cases, people speak those words of forgiveness and the other person denies that they did anything. And if the person hasn't had a sufficient amount of healing, that could really wound them again. Uh, however, it's planting a seed. You know, it's it's saying it. And I think it's important to do it in a non-blaming way, but in a way of saying, you know, I realize I've been holding on to this. I just want you to know that I forgive you and that I've worked through that and I desire good for you in this situation. So I think it's depending on whether you discern, is this good for the other person as well as for me? And am I ready, no matter what their reaction is, uh, to be able to to be okay if, if they're not sorry or anything else? Um, Again, it's going to your point in the research of, you know, not not making the forgiveness conditional but unconditional. Yes. So, Bob, if listeners want to learn more, where would you send them? Well, uh, I would say there's podcast by Sister Miriam, who you mentioned, and Father John Burns at the Seek Conference. It's a great thing on forgiveness. Um, there's a researcher in this area. I'm blanking on his name, but they mention him a lot because uh, Father John did his dissertation around this subject. Uh, I noticed then, at the University of Iowa, there's a Dr. Toussaint who does a ton of forgiveness research in Iowa. Okay. I'm wondering if it's him. No, that's not the same one, but that, that's good. But somebody up in Minnesota, Father, or Wisconsin, Father, or Dr. Uh, I'm just blanking on his name. But also, our material uh, on, the, on the podcast, we have two uh, sessions on forgiveness. Um, our workbooks, we it, it's always a part. That process that I described is in our workbooks at the John Paul II Healing Center. And in my book, Be Restored, I go through the process in the appendix. And also how to make a good confession, a good life confession, to be able to look at all those areas in our life where we may be holding on to unforgiveness towards ourselves and we need forgiveness. Bob, thank you so much for being with us again here on Dr. Doctor. I think listeners are going to love this episode. Yeah, thank you both. It's thank you, Bob. Enjoy. And we are back on Dr. Doctor. In today's medical trivia question, Tom, it makes me think you want maybe in another life, neuropsychology. I don't know. It is, is, it is fascinating. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want people to be happy? <laughs> that's right. No, amen. So, uh, which of the four parts of the peripheral nervous system are activated by forgiveness? Is it the motor system that controls our muscles, the sensory system by which we feel things, uh, the sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight response with adrenaline and cortisol, or the parasympathetic nervous system that maintains our normal automatic body functions in the background? And the answer is it's our parasympathetic uh, nervous system. It slows our breathing and our heart rate, increases digestion, um, and it helps get us out of that chronic fight or flight. So it's that calming part of the, the nervous system. And there are actually medical studies that show that. And in fact, a study in the Journal of American College of Cardiology showed that anger and hostility are linked to an increased risk of heart disease. And on the contrary, if we can reduce that chronic fight or flight through forgiveness, we can uh, reduce that. So there you have it. That. Andrew, you've got three top takeaways from this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved it. I love this episode. I'd say number one, um, kind of tried to pin Bob down, but forgiveness really probably underlies a great deal of disease, disease yes. processes, or especially lack of mental health illness. So lack of forgiveness, yeah, the importance of forgiveness is highlighted there. I would say number two, if we want to be healed for ourselves, even just selfishly, 
um, it would appear forgiveness is a required component for that. And so that's to underline it's important as well. And I would encourage folks, number three, is to kind of take an opportunity to examine their conscience of sorts. Catholics are used to doing this before <laughs> confession, um, but maybe not in this way. And and as Bob kind of pointed out, one of the, the first parts of his, his steps to forgiveness is to look for people that need to be forgiven, others, and then even themselves, uh, and follow the process. And Bob's enjoyed a great deal of success helping people to to grow and become whole. I'd encourage listeners, if this is striking a chord, to, to give it a try, because I'd venture that most of us have places in our life that this could help. And if you want to learn more, his Restore the Glory podcast with Jake Kim is excellent. So thanks for being with us for yet another episode of Dr. Doctor. You can find this in all the episodes on our website, drdoctor.org. Uh, you can search them by topic or guest at episode archive at the top. And now we offer a video version of our podcast as well. Just click on the YouTube link near the top of the homepage at drdoctor.org. And have if you have a question, just hit submit a question. Give us some great ideas for a new topic. This is Dr. Tom McGovern. And Dr. Andrew Mullally, and we're signing off until your next dose of Dr. Doctor. The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-host. Have a question for our doctors or a topic you'd like to hear about? Call or text your questions to our text line at 260-436-9598 or fill out the form at drdoctor.org. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Doctor Show. And tune in for new episodes every Friday. Plus, find all our past episodes at drdoctor.org. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.